team, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Uh, you're probably going, who the hell? Well, I mean, you know it's me, but Mark does the intro every single week. So on episode number 22, I finally get the opportunity to do the intro uh, because he never lets me do it. And the only reason I'm getting the opportunity to do the intro is because he's not fucking here. Um, Mark is uh, finishing up this week for his wedding. Um, I am also flying out for uh, Mark and Joanne's wedding on Monday. Um, so we're going to be skipping a week of the podcast for the first time, um, which feels quite strange, to be honest, because the fact that we've been able to commit <laughs> really to... Uh, the time of being able to do the podcast every single week um, has been mad but it's also been really really nice for us to get the chance to actually just like meet up and chat with one another once a week because um, we we do genuinely speak every single day on whatsapp um, but we don't always get the opportunity to actually just have a catch up um, not face to face but over zoom so um, it's been nice it's also been good to just have a gab and share it and for all of you to actually give the feedback that you're enjoying it. Um, so even though I would say about uh, at least three of known listeners are my pals, <laughs> so shout out to my friends, uh, my, my friends who are very supportive and keep listening to the podcast every single week. So um, I am flying solo this week um, after forcing Mark to actually take some downtime in the lead up to his wedding um, because anyone who has got married before will know that the week leading up to your wedding is just genuine, utter just sheer chaos. Um, I did try and warn him of this fact. He didn't really listen and naively thought we would be able to record a podcast and then was quickly humbled this week. Um, so I am here flying solo. This is going to be a shorter podcast than usual. Um, just didn't want you to be missing two weeks. So we're going to limit it to skipping one week and then you get one week of just me. So what I thought would be a helpful thing to kind of talk you all through today um, is actually based on a training that I did for the team uh, last night because I'm recording this before it goes out, obviously. Um, so I did my, my training around this last night. The training was called Paradigms, Perspectives and Points of View. Basically, what I took the team through was helping them to understand what a paradigm actually is um, and how you understand not only what paradigms are, but what yours are and how you shift yourself from the current limiting paradigm to the freeing paradigm um, to essentially allow yourself to create the change that you're trying to create for yourself. Because the reality is, is that anybody can achieve an outcome. Like literally anybody can follow a process to achieve an outcome, to sustain an outcome and a way of living though, you actually have to shift the way in which you view yourself and the world around you to be able to do that. And that requires using the insights that you achieve along the journey and learn along the way to put that information into practice and then ultimately shift how you perceive it. Um, so I'm not going to be able to show you this on uh, the podcast because it's just a recording, um, but I actually showed the team uh, this video that uh, I actually learned when I seen it um, originally on my coach accreditation program when we were learning about paradigms and how essentially the whole job of a coach is to facilitate paradigm shifts. So we um, took, undertook extensive training on what that is and how to do it and we were shown a video. You can actually find it on YouTube. It's called The Spinning, Valley, uh, the Spinning Ballerina. Forgive me, my brain is actually scrambled egg this week, so I'm mixing up my words so much. Um, so the spinning ballerina basically is, you will see exactly that, a spinning ballerina. 
and everyone sees it spin in a certain direction but if you concentrate on it enough and you imagine it spinning and in the opposite direction eventually the ballerina will rotate and spin in the other way and this is just a really classic example of how different people can look at the same situation and take something entirely different away from it but how actually when you try and see the alternative it will start to make itself obvious to you so basically a paradigm is a framework or a set of beliefs assumptions and practices that will shape the way that we perceive and understand and interpret the world around us so everything from your belief system to your experiences your values how morality is taught to you um, will define how you see the world and how you perceive things and how you filter those things and as we grow and change as people how we perceive the world changes because what we learn and what we experience is will change it what we experience will change the questions that we ask of ourselves and the world around us so essentially we will start to look at the world and ourselves in a different way the more we learn and that in turn will change the way that we question things and then change the way that we perceive things so essentially coaches are here to provide the right balance of questions observations and insights that allow paradigm shifts to happen so although we can't give you a paradigm shift our job is to help facilitate those in, in you as a client by offering you those different perspectives and giving you a lens through which to look at something in a different way and i kind of had a laugh with the guys talking about this last night because it can be really frustrating during the coaching process when you just want to have a bit of a moan right and you just want to say like can you believe this this is so annoying i've stuck to everything and my weight's not moving and then somebody like me comes in and goes here's another perspective right i know you want to believe this subjectively but here's what's happening objectively and it's frustrating because you do become attached to your worldview you become attached to how you filter something how you believe something right i gave the guys an example um not last night but in a different training that i did where um it's something called the stories facts and feelings cycle and what happens quite a lot is that um on the basis of our perception will define a lot of our interactions with people so like you ever been in those situations where you're maybe going to a night out and you've got this pal in your group that you kind of get on with but to be honest you think that they hate you right you you're really convinced that they don't like me right i know they don't like me or i worked night out right and it's that colleague who you're like polite to one another and professional but like two proseccos and you're fucking reading them their character and um you might go to a night out you might you know say hiya how you doing decide to be the bigger person and they go oh hiya and they're just quite dismissive right and immediately you go i knew it I knew they hated me. I knew they didn't like me. She's always been like that with me. Do you know what? I'm finished with her. I'm done with her. I'm never speaking to her again because I knew that she didn't like me, right? So immediately, because you think and you were already convinced that that person didn't like you, it's not that you've been given evidence that supports that. It's that you were just waiting on something that you could turn into evidence, right? That person could be in the middle of a fucking panic attack. They could just have had bad news. They could just be having a bad day. They might be convinced that you don't like them and they're scared to talk to you, right? There's so many possibilities there, but you will always select the data that reinforces the belief. And that's kind of when I spoke to the guys a wee bit about the ladder of inference. So the ladder of inference is a really, it's a great um, human behaviour tool. I use it in coaching all of the time to help us understand basically how we're constructing our belief systems. And the belief will drive everything that you do. 
every assumption you make, every conclusion you come to, every action that you take. So your belief system is almost like the filtration element of the brain. It's almost like the sieve of the brain. So it will hold on to what it needs to reinforce that belief. And absolutely everything that you see, hear, think, feel and believe is filtered through your own pre-existing views of morality, of values, of the paradigm in which you see things through, like your whole mental map of the world. And everybody's filtering system is different, right? So the same pool of available data, different things will be filtered by different people, okay? So based on what your belief is, will always um, reinforce, or that will always influence the data that you select from the, available, the pool of available data, right? So a lot of the time I see this manifest with people when they're running. So a belief that I had for a very long time was I'm just destined to be fat forever, right? I'm just one of those people who is supposed to be fat. I'm not supposed to lose weight. I'm just destined to be this way forever. So what would happen is I would engage with another rapid, restrictive, unsustainable weight loss system, right? Something fucking mental and ridiculous. And what would happen is after like two weeks of being on this rapid, restrictive thing, it wouldn't work in the way that I thought, I thought it would or... It wouldn't return me the results that I expected. So if I told myself and I set the expectation that I was going to lose eight pounds in this two week and I actually only lose four pounds, right? That's enough data for me to select to go to the assumption of this isn't working for me, right? Once I'm working on the assumption of this isn't working for me, I come to the conclusion if this isn't working for me, nothing's going to work for me. Therefore, the belief becomes reinforced that I am going to be fat forever, right? And the action that I take is acceptance. Pack it in, go back to what I was doing before, inevitably start to binge again, right? So the reality is, is that I was always going to go back to binging again because the belief wasn't changed, right? I was entering into this thing with the belief still sitting there of you're probably going to fail at this, right? There's probably not going to be anything that makes this time different than before. You're probably just going to go through the same thing again. So because the belief was already there, it wasn't a case of if, it was a case of when. It was never ever going to work because the belief was driving the data, the belief was driving the filter. Um, so it's really, really important for us to understand what is the belief that's driving all of the decisions that I make? What is the belief that's operating my filter? And what is it that I'm not able to see because my belief system won't let me? Essentially, like facilitating a paradigm shift really is just allowing yourself to change the way that you look at things so that the things that you're looking at change and I think when you when you speak to people who have experienced a paradigm shift this happens to me quite a lot where clients will come to me and say oh I don't know what it is but everything just feels different like I see things in a different way I feel like a light bulb's been switched on like I don't know why, but the things that I used to hate now I love, it doesn't feel like an effort. It doesn't feel like a fight. I just feel like this is the way that I live my life. And I'm like, woo, paradigm shift, right? Like, because I know in those moments, if somebody's describing it like that, that's exactly what's happened. And the only way a paradigm shift can take place is off of the back of an insight. Now, insights come when we learn something new about ourselves or the world around us. And on a journey of change, you should be getting consistent insights on a regular basis, right? 
what happens is um, there are four different faces of insight and what's really really interesting about the kind of coaching that I do which is brain-based behaviour change coaching um, is that you can actually watch these faces change as someone is going through this journey so you can actually see an insight happening and this is something that I did as part of my coach accreditation when I was training to become a coach is watching and noticing the facial expressions that happen in someone as they're as they're like going through the process of an insight so that it means that you can see when it's happening and you can take someone through the process that's needed to make sure that the insight is used well um, and it's not just a nice bit of information that gets disregarded so when we have face one this is the impasse or the awareness stage so this is when people first become aware of a problem or a dilemma um, they look quite perplexed, they can look a bit vacant, right? Sometimes people's eyes will get squint, their body language will change, like their shoulders will be up, they maybe start fidgeting, right? It's just really obvious signs of discomfort because you know that you have a problem and you feel stuck. And the difficult part of the awareness stage is that you're aware of the problem and you're aware of what has to change, but you don't know what to fucking do. You don't know where to start, right? You can almost feel trapped in the problem and then trapped in that place of I just don't know what to do like I, I feel like I do know what to do but I'm not sure I feel a bit lost but I know what the problem is and I know it has to change and when someone gets to phase two in the reflection stage this is when they really start to actually reflect on the problem and say what's going to move me past this what's going to be the thing that actually creates this change because it's not just becoming aware of the thing it's actually reflecting and understanding and accepting the thing and a lot of the time people can look up. So I know that when someone's looking up, they're thinking. Um, if they look down, they're normally experiencing a difficult emotion. But when someone's struggling to main, maintain eye contact with me and they're just kind of gazing around the room, I know there's a thought process. There's, I can almost hear the cogs turning in someone's head at that point. Um, but they can get a wee bit of a dazed look, like a wee bit deer caught in the headlights. I'm not really sure where to go here. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, they start to think more deeply and you can see the facial expression change as they really start to try and figure out and reflect on this thing. A lot of time people will go through big periods of silence here because they're like, this is just hitting me now, what this actually is and what this means. And eventually if someone spends enough time reflecting, they get to phase three, which is insight. This is when you solve the problem, right? It's that pure aha moment. The face lights up. And the best thing about an insight is that nine times out of 10, the answer seems so obvious once you figure it out, right? So at the moment of insight, um, the brain releases really strong gamma band waves. And that gives a really high rush of adrenaline. It gives a big hit of endorphins and it gives a big hit of dopamine. And what's happening in that moment is your brain is establishing a new connection. So it's establishing a new neural pathway, which is a new mental map. And it's a new paradigm for you to operate out of. And the beautiful thing about watching an insight happen for someone is it can only come from... Coaches can give insights, but ultimately for this to be generated in someone they kind of have to come to the insight themselves. So coaches can give pieces of information or perspectives that facilitate insights, but the insight has to happen within that person. Um, it really has to attach and make sense and reveal something to them. It's a, a far and away every coach's favourite thing to experience. A, strong, a close second to... Um, I feel that you can read my mind. That's one of my favourites. And obviously watching someone come towards the end of the journey and reflect as 
a completely different person but like watching someone facilitate and like go through an insight and you be the facilitator of that is just such a buzz man absolutely love it um so it's really it's really nice to see the person figure out the thing to recognize that the thing they figured out was within them all along as well it's not that they've been given something it's that they've discovered something that was already inside them um and then just watching what happens when they go that was so obvious why did i not see that and the thing is is that the brain loves to solve problems right your brain absolutely loves puzzles and it loves making sense of things um so when you get to take all of these different bits of information and fit them together like your brain goes absolutely fucking haywire this is why people love like murder mysteries it's why itv pump out fucking murder mystery dramas in small seaside seaside coastal towns in england right like a fucking t-shirt gun like this is why they fire them out at that rate it's why we all love line of duty right because the brain totally loves like little crumbs of information being left and you then getting the ability to piece them all together and make sense of it's why we get such a thrill of figuring out the big twist at the end before the big twist happens right um so that those whole that whole rush of hormones happens and then phase four comes which is motivation and action right so I think sometimes people talk about motivation quite a lot. There's been a big shift in the fitness industry now where um, previously coaches would talk a lot about how great motivation was and how you wanted to create motivation and now they're telling you don't rely on motivation. Don't Motivation's a dirty word now. Um, and the thing is, is that like you shouldn't need motivation. You, you definitely can't rely on it, right, to create basic disciplines and basic standards but the reality is is that when you feel motivated it feels fucking great right so if you want to push yourself for more because you're feeling motivated absolutely go for it just don't expect motivation to come and wait for it to come before you do anything is the key difference but when it comes absolutely take it and run with it like if you can operate at 75 percent and motivation takes you in a burst of 100 percent for a couple of weeks brilliant it's a couple of weeks you wouldn't have got if it didn't come but the reality is, is that motivation only comes off of the back of an insight, right? So it only comes off of the back of forming that new mental map, seeing something from a completely different perspective and ultimately having a paradigm shift. So that's why it's so important to go through each one of these four stages, because the only way that motivation will come is if you have an insight and if you then are able to facilitate a paradigm shift. So once a paradigm shift takes place, one of the biggest shifts that I will see is a shift from extrinsic to intrinsic motivation. Now, the thing is, is that like the the belief is that you must shift from extrinsic to intrinsic and you must go from seeking external reward to seeking personal satisfaction. I honestly think that you can have a good balance of both. Like I think that over time, like you, you can't only be extrinsically motivated. You have you you can't only exist by external reward. You do at one point have to create that sense of personal satisfaction. And we will normally see this happen through the change process, maybe from the six month mark onwards where someone maybe gets closer to an outcome, um, they start to realise that it's more important than the outcome and that's when the personal satisfaction and the internal motivation starts to come around. Um, a lot of the time as well when people first start a journey 
they embark on it from a place of pain. So they're trying to change something that feels painful and difficult. That when that thing no longer feels painful and difficult, they need a reason to keep it going. And that's when things start to move to that intrinsic place. So I do think that you have to have the personal satisfaction, kind of intrinsic motivation as your standard. Um, but using external reward and extrinsic motivation as something that helps to pull you forward, you know, and almost like kind of set those goals beyond the standard that you're currently operating at. I do think that a balance of both on a journey of change is a, is good. Um, we see people often shift from fixing to growing. So as opposed to just always being fixated on how they solve the problems or fix the things that are wrong, they start to consider a wee bit more about how they grow in a certain direction, how they create an identity and a person that values and honours the things that they are doing on a day-to-day -day basis as opposed to just thinking what is the next thing that I want to fix, what is the next problem that I want to approach and not being a problem defined person but rather this is the person that I'm trying to become so how do I create them and how do I nurture them. A lot of the time we'll see people move away from the self-loathing to the self-trusting um, so they'll go away from again that place of hatred but into that understanding of now that I trust myself what do I think is possible and it goes away from that weight focused I need to get as much weight off as I possibly can to how do I actually care for my overall health and well-being and that in turn will then take people away from that punishing place to that caring place so it'll go from punishing yourself with exercise only engaging with the kind of exercise that serves a, an aesthetic goal or maximizes you know facilitates fast weight loss right if you were like me back in the day and doing three classes, three Les Mills classes back to back and wondering why you weren't making progress with your physical goals because the only interest was burning as many calories as you could um, to actually doing it from a place of self-care and saying what's the movement that I enjoy, what's the movement that makes me feel good and strong in my body and really embracing that from a place of self-care and self-love as opposed to from a place of self-loathing. Um, and we start to see people shift from and need for for external authority to a place of self-empowerment so a lot of the time people will stop double checking things with us like they'll stop running everything by us or seeking reassurance or seeking validation and guidance they will start to add another notch into the thinking process and almost sort of trust themselves to make the decision follow through with it then come to us and say i thought this i did this and this happened what do you think um as opposed to needing the other stages in the thought process they're able to start trusting in their ability their ability to empower themselves and their decision making start to trust their instinct and start to really take ownership of their own health and fitness journey and recognize that everything they need is within their control and that coaches are really just there for support and guidance you know whenever that's needed but ultimately their own informed choices their understanding and intuition around their body and that self-trust is going to be the thing that guides them so those are the sort of like paradigm shifts that we would start to see happen for someone over a period of time once they start to recognize like why this is important to them and there's some really common uh, limiting paradigms that we see happen to people quite a lot and I shared some of these on the training last night um the most common ones that we see which is uh, my first one is um I can't have fun at the weekends when I'm on this diet right again one that I told myself for a very very long time one that I watched trip people up all of the time um that belief that your weekends the limiting paradigm here is that your weekends are only fun when they revolve around food and alcohol and this one I always find this one such a shame because I think that like 
we're taught what's fun and we're taught what social occasions are and we're taught that this is just what you do at the weekend. So to then try and find something that is an alternative to that is really tough. So then you end up fucking sitting in on your own board watching everybody else have fun and then that reinforces a belief that actually I can't have fun whilst I'm trying to change this goal, eh, achieve this goal or change this thing. So that then means that you don't incorporate any fun. You become very disengaged with it and you jack it in because what kind of life is that to live, right? So the limiting paradigm here that's reinforced is that food is scarce when you're dieting. Like, food is so abundant when you're dieting if you use the food in the correct way. Like, it's such a great opportunity to expand your definition of health, to experiment with the kind of foods that you enjoy, to engage with a love of cooking, right? To really start to expand your nutritional profile and see how that positively impacts your overall health and well-being, right? Because you notice a difference in your energy levels, your quality of sleep, your performance when you're properly nourished, right? So the belief that you are improperly nourished because food is scarce when you're dieting is just such bullshit um, that really, really limits your perception of what's possible. That then in turn informs the fact that food, eh, fun, sorry, is scarce when you're dieting, right? So because I'm dieting, I need to punish myself by not having food and also not having fun, right? And again, it's just bullshit. It's like we sign ourselves up for the misery because we tell ourselves it has to be a miserable experience for it to work. And it really, really doesn't. Like, don't get me wrong, there are certain points in a fat loss journey that are a bit fucking miserable, right? And that are a bit like, you know, when you want food for comfort and but you're trying to stick with this and you can go on a bit of grappling, right? But that doesn't mean that fun ever has to be scarce because you have a right to have fun as part of your life, as part of your week, right? But the challenge here is that you think fun is scarce because your current definition of fun only comes from food and drink. So when those are removed, you don't have any additional sources of fun. And I actually had a conversation with a client inside the Book for Life programme this week. Um, he's making great progress. He's done really, really well. And he's trying to move away from the weekends of going out, drinking, partying, um, into starting to spend some more time filling up his own cup and doing the stuff that he finds fun. And he actually asked me, he was like, can you give me some ideas of activities that I could maybe start to do at the weekends? And I was like, oh man, how long have you got? Because <laughs> I am the queen of activities. Because I really did go on a journey last year of asking myself, like, what does fun mean to me, right? Because for me, other people's definition of fun just wasn't checking out for me. Like, even just the definitions of self-care, like... I, I lie in a bath for 20 minutes and then I'm fucking bored and I want to get out so like a bath and a face mask ain't going to do it for me right um going to a spa people kept telling me to go for spa days and I'm like I don't want to go for a fucking spa day like I remember going for a massage once and it was one of the worst experiences of my fucking life because somebody else was touching me like it was giving me the bulk I didn't like it so it was actually the exact opposite of relaxing for me um I don't want to sit in a hot tub with Janet and Billy for Kilmarnock and talk to them about what we do for work, right? <laughs> when I'm on a spa day, that's just not my idea of fucking relaxing, okay? If I'm going to relax in a spa, I want the 
full thing to myself and unfortunately I'm not Beyonce so that ain't happening anytime soon um, so it was really important for me to define what fun meant to me and what relaxing meant to me um, and anybody who knows me will know at this stage that um, my pals actually have started calling me a bingo influencer uh, because I'm so obsessed with the bingo I literally take everybody I know um, took Mark and Rudy to the bingo <laughs> for our team day um, a few weeks ago in shock horror they loved it because bingo is a meditative experience um, but really just giving myself permission to just dick about with things that I would maybe find fun me and my friends went pottery painting um, last Friday and I absolutely loved that like it was just nice like the three years used to go out and get absolutely steaming together so like to now be you know, I am 30 they're both approaching 30 um, to now be getting our kicks sitting with a Diet Coke painting pottery on a Friday night but we still get we still have as much fun we still have a laugh we still get to catch up so it's really really important that you appreciate that downtime can only be accessed via food and drink and that you have to join in or you're missing out right you're not missing out on anything other than fucking hangovers and regrets the vast majority of the time and you can still participate within your own limitations and within your own decisions of how much you want to participate. So the freeing paradigm here is that exactly as I said, you get to have fun how you define it. You get to explore those things that you always told yourself would not be for you, right? See the thing that seems like your absolute idea of hell, your absolute worst nightmare. That's often where you need to start with experimenting with fun, guarantee it. Um, the, an additional part of the freeing paradigm here is the acceptance that there's so much opportunity for you to explore new things and old things that you absolutely love, right? All those old things that you used to do that you're shit at now that are stacking up, waiting for you to look at them. Um, I started going back to Spanish lessons recently because I used to speak Spanish, not fluently, but like very well. Like I did it up until second year at uni. Um, so like I used to be able to have whole conversations, learn about the Spanish Civil War in Spanish and then abandoned it for such a long time that I could barely order myself a fucking baguette, never mind to have conversations about the Civil War. Um, so I decided to start going back to Spanish lessons this year and just make the time for it for no other reason than it was a hobby that I loved being able to do that I wanted to re-engage with and just making that a priority. Um, so there's so much opportunity and you also get to do these opportunities with your partner and with your friends like just you as with your friends like exploring something different from what you've always done to just have fun away from what you feel needs to be the definition of fun like going and doing random shit like being big kids again as well is like one of the best things you can do i took my nieces to i take my nieces to um gravity the trampoline pat and brayhead all the time and like they love it so every time I've, I'm watching them we have something called anti-day so on anti-day they realise that I don't get to say no I have to say yes to everything so they go home up to their eyeballs and sugar and I go home about 500 quid lighter out of my bank account um, but every single time they're like can we go to gravity and every single time I'm like fucking tour out we can right because it gives me an excuse to go but it's so good to just engage with those daft childish things um, that you maybe wouldn't do any other time just allow yourself to be free and have fun um, and like I said finally having time for those hobbies that you always say you'd like to do but don't have time for um, I'm convinced that at least one in three people have a musical instrument gathering dust in their house that they got for Christmas, said they were going to go to lessons and never did. So if that is you, 
blow the dust off of it, go get some lessons. Um, the next one that I hear all of the time, we hear this quite a lot from people who are interested in joining the Built for Life programme, um, but tell themselves that there's a reason that they can't. And at this time of year, a lot of the time the reason is I'm going on holiday soon anyway, so there's no point in getting started, right? So the limiting paradigm here is that you are defining what's possible on the basis of what you've always done. Because you've always started to self-sabotage on the lead up to a holiday, you're telling yourself that that is exactly what would happen again. Therefore, there's no point in wasting your money, right? There's no point in wasting your money for you just not to do it. Really what's going on here is that you don't believe that you have the ability to change. You want the change that being here would produce, but in reality you don't believe that you have the ability to actually change. And even if your intentions are good, you're going to automatically, instinctively go back to the same way that you've always done things. Another thing that I see really driving this in people is that if they, the outcome that they want to achieve isn't possible in the given time frame, then there's no point. So if you want to lose three stone, but you recognise that you can't do that in the space of four weeks before your holiday, then there's just no point in doing it. And the sad thing there is, is that like dependent on what you want to achieve, dependent on like if fat loss is your goal, like you could easily make a huge dent in that in that short space of time and go on holiday feeling a hell of a lot better than you did before you went. But for some reason you're telling yourself you don't deserve to feel at your best, that actually you don't deserve to make the time and space to give this a good go and that you're defining your happiness and your worth by a holiday. So in reality, if you're going on holiday, there's no point caring for yourself anyway, right? Because you're going to go on holiday and fuck it anyway and like treat the all-inclusive buffet as a personal challenge, right? Which you don't need to do, but because it's what you've always done, you're telling yourself it's instinctive and it doesn't have to be because you have the power to make the choice to do something different and show yourself the care and compassion to feel at your best when you go. So the freeing paradigm here is that you're getting the time and space to prioritise yourself and your own needs on holiday. So there's this is an opportunity now to start that ball rolling. A lot of the time I think people go on holiday and drain their battery even further, right? They don't ha they don't believe that they, they deserve to relax and recharge their batteries instead of further depleting them. So you go on holiday, you eat shit, you drink a lot, you just have a seven day, two week hangover and you go home actually not feeling any more rested than you did before you went. Whereas if you see the holiday as an opportunity to start to incorporate the different principles around good training, good nutrition, good sleep, good hydration, right? Nobody's saying that you need to go on holiday and fucking go to the gym five days a week, get two runs in and track your calories. Not in the slightest, but actually it's an opportunity for you to have the time and space to focus on you feeling at your best and really prioritising that because if you don't believe that you deserve to feel at your best, you're not going to actually prioritise the ability to be able to do that. And really, I think it's important to accept and when you're in this freeing paradigm, what we see in a lot of people is the belief that they get to define what makes them feel good and what an ideal holiday looks like for them. I think sometimes, especially if you go on holidays in big groups, maybe with other families, eh, other members of your family, your friends, right, even partners, it can be difficult to meet everybody's needs and definition of what a fun holiday is. That means that a lot of the time you'll just go with the flow because you don't want to cause any upset. But in reality, you're living somebody else's ideal holiday and not your own. Um, so it's really, really important when you're in that, when you're trying to shift from this limiting paradigm into the freeing paradigm, that you take the time to consider what do I actually want and what's going to make me have as much fun as I possibly can. The last uh, paradigm, the uh, limiting paradigm that we see quite a lot that I want to share with you um, is the belief or the, the statement 
I just need to get this fat loss phase over and done with, right? I just need to get this done. I just need to get in and get out. And once I get there, it's all over and I can pack it all in and I never need to do it again, right? Now, the limiting paradigm here is that you are only engaging with these actions temporarily for an outcome, okay? One of the biggest barriers to sustaining um, fat loss after being on a fat loss journey is the belief that the things that got you the fat loss can be abandoned once you've achieved it, right? The things you got that got you there are, is the same things that are going to keep you there, okay, just at a different level. I would actually argue argue that the, from my experience the, of working with people that the reverse diet and maintenance phase is actually a lot harder than the fat loss phase because it requires a whole different level of skill. The fat loss phase becomes pretty automatic after a while. It's very systemized, it's very structured, right? But reverse diet and maintenance, you're redefining your beliefs around food, you're redefining your relationship with it. You maybe experience emotional volatility over scale weight fluctuations again. It's actually quite a challenging process to experience. So it's really, really important that your systems are solid so that you're not getting to the to the end goal and saying, right, that's it, I've done all that now, I'll jack it all in, I'll just go back to the way that things always were because then you've not actually learned anything. You've just achieved an outcome. There's been no paradigm shift. Um, and then that belief of I only have to do these things until I achieve the outcome, right? This is, I don't need to do this every single day forever. I don't need to keep this up. This doesn't need to be sustainable. I can do it in, extreme, in an extreme way because I'm not going to be doing it after I achieve the goal anyway, right? The exact thing that will take you back to the start. The belief that the things that you're doing and engaging with on a day-to-day -day basis are not serving a purpose other than weight loss, right? Like moving your body, prioritising recovery, hydration, good sleep, like good nutrition. All of these things are principles that we want you to live your life by. And seeing them only as serving a purpose for weight loss is such a damaging perspective when it comes to your overall health and well-being. Because the only time you'll engage with them is when you believe that you have to achieve something. And actually, when you come at this from a place of self-compassion, you engage with it because you believe that you deserve to feel at your best. And again, we come back to the belief that you can't incorporate any joy until the fat loss phase is over. I just need to get it over and done with as fast as possible. Why? <laughs> right? What is the rush? Because the reality is, is that it will take as long as it takes. And your expectations of what you can achieve in certain time frames or how long it should take is always your biggest, bar biggest barrier, not only to achieving it, but sustaining it. So then we operate from the freeing paradigm here. You recognise that you're learning skills and discipline that will serve you in every area of your life, okay? Not just when it comes to physical and body composition goals, but in every single area and approach, the discipline that you can show yourself will extend to other areas. There's an acceptance that you need to feel and experience challenge in a fat loss phase to learn the necessary skills for maintaining it. If you get from A to Z with absolutely not a bump in the road, you will never learn how to actually sustain it. I've said this before, but um, the first time I went on you know, a big fat loss phase, I achieved that in perfect conditions. And as soon as the conditions were imperfect, I didn't know what to do because I needed the perfect conditions to be able to sustain it. So if you're listening to this thing and I just want to wait for the right time because it's not the right time right now, I'm telling you that perfect conditions are your worst enemy. Perfect conditions are your biggest barrier to long-term success because you need to learn how to fly the plane in horrific conditions and not just when it's clear, it's clear skies and sunny. Because if you never learn how to fly the plane in terrible conditions, you don't know how to land the plane in those circumstances either. 
Uh, in the freeing paradigm, we have I am learning what I enjoy and what works for me in the long term. Again, huge, huge component of this is for this to be sustainable, it has to be something that you can do forever. And accepting that you are responsible for the way of life that you create for yourself. You're, you're responsible for your own health and fitness journey. You're responsible for creating the kind of life that you want to live forever. And prioritising what you want to keep through a fat loss journey is a major, major component of this because that will ultimately define your perception of health and well-being that's going to carry you through the rest of your life. So I left the guys with some reflective questions um, last night that I'm going to leave every single one of you with. Um, the reflective questions I left them with were, how often are you actively and consciously trying to change the way that you think? And how often do you challenge your own perspective? How often are you actively trying to see a different perspective from the one that you're believing and seeing value and looking at things from a different way? I did ask them a bonus third question, which was how often do you do something with the perspective challenges that we give you? So if you would like a wee bit more of an insight on the kind of perspective challenges that we can give people um, on really common situations, please send us a wee DM on Instagram with what your current paradigm is, um, what you think your current limiting beliefs are, and we will happily offer you an alternative perspective. Um, maybe just message me for the time being because as this goes out Mark is away for his wedding um, so he might not be available in the DMs for paradigm shifts at this point in time um, but I would absolutely love to hear from you with which, you, which one you identify with more do you see yourself more in the limiting paradigm than the freeing paradigm and if you see yourself in the limiting paradigm please give me a wee message um, we can have a chat and I can see if I can help you to facilitate a paradigm shift for yourself so guys Thank you so much for listening to another week of the Built for Life podcast. We will not be here next week. As I said, we will be recovering from a week of partying in Ibiza. Uh, but Mark and I will be back as normal the following week. Um, and you'll be back used to hearing us banter and filling you in on all the gory details from the wedding. Maybe not every single one. Because um, there are probably still some things that we need to keep to ourselves and just have fun and experience. Uh, and maybe not share with the public no I promise you we're actually relatively boring people <laughs> uh, even when we're having fun we're still pretty boring but guys thank you so much for listening um, have a fantastic week and I'll chat to you all soon